There seems to be two common attitudes that people have towards the Amum Nuroyim davening. Two different experiences. On the one hand, there's the individual or perhaps the crowd of individuals who are excited, looking forward to what is sure to be an inspirational davening filled with beautiful singing, a davening which is both emotional and meaningful and maybe even transformative. And yet there is the other crowd who is dreading the Amim Noraim for all the wrong reasons, not looking forward at all to what is sure to be a schlepping, long, boring, dragging davening, a davening to which they cannot relate. Perhaps it's a davening that's being led by someone who doesn't have a great voice or maybe doesn't have a great voice anymore and they just dread every moment of it once again for all the wrong reasons and yet I would tell you that regardless of which individual you may be these two descriptions could really be offered by the same person just based on two different minyanim that he's davened at. He could have davened at that inspiring davening somewhere, maybe when he, back when he was in yeshiva. Maybe the davening that he's not so much looking forward to is a davening at some shul that he grew up in somewhere. But none of that is really what matters. Because what if I told you that regardless of which minion you're at, regardless of what the quality of the singing is, you could actually have an experience in Yamam Narayim which is meaningful, emotional, uplifting, and all-around productive. And once again, regardless of the shul you're in, regardless of who the Baal Tzfilah is, because regardless of which camp you might have found yourself in, when I mentioned those two approaches, those two attitudes and experiences. What matters is that both descriptions that I gave you earlier don't necessarily demonstrate a basic understanding of what's happening in the machzer and why. Beyond the tunes and the inspiring nosach, or perhaps the long schlepping davening, there is actually something there. There is structure, there's layers of meaning. And there's a goal behind each part of the machzer. And there's something there that if we were able to find it ourselves, to do ourselves the favor and to get a better understanding of each part, then we wouldn't actually require the stimuli of the perfect minion, the perfect circumstances, the davening that's only inspirational because of the external features, the music. Obviously, yes, you want to try to find the best version of a heart-sick davening, a soulful davening, a baltzfilo who has all the right qualities, yes, from the good voice to the actual heart for, for what he's davening, the actual emotion. But even in the worst-case scenario, even where the davening is not as pleasing, where you go into it being sort of ready for what, what's going to be, you already know what you're in for. But if you just had the right approach, 
the davening would be so much different. You see, there are many experiences that we have in our own lives that for a good part of our life, especially when we're young, these things seem to schlep and drag and they seem boring. I can list so many different things. So, for example, the Pesach Seder, right? Especially during Magid. There are many exciting parts of the Seder, but how many people truly look forward to Magid, going through the exegesis, exegesis, the drash on the Haggadah of the different parts of Arami Oveiravi? There's plenty there. But if you don't know what you're looking at, that's going to take forever. But so many of these experiences... If you're doing it right, if you take a step back and do a little bit of preparation and say, hey, what's going on here? So then a lot of those experiences, and many of us have this experience ourselves, but a lot of those experiences, over the years, they seem to shorten. The Pesach Seder, which we thought dragged on forever, actually seems to get shorter. The process of Sefirah Sa'omer seems to actually get shorter. If you're counting each day, and you're actually thinking about what you're trying to accomplish each day. Right, the, the Amun Raim themselves get shorter. How about Hakafos? Right, Simchas Torah, right? Everyone loves Simchas Torah, right? But what if there's no candy? Then what? The Hakafos, it seems like they drag. But if you're thinking about what each Hakafos is about, maybe you look in the Machser and you see what the different components of the Hakafos. How about Hoshanos? If you know what you're doing when it comes to Hoshanos. All these things, they seem like they drag. Slichos for sure. Kinos for sure. But if you actually have an idea of what you're looking at, all the things, once again, seem to get shorter. Even if it's just regular davening every day or davening on Shabbos. Right? Seven Elios of Kriya Satora. Who can, who can bear that? And yes, if you're trying to tune it out, then seven aliyos seems like it take, you know, takes forever. But if you're actually following along with the Kriya Torah, right, then, then it actually flies. Right, when, it, when it comes down to it, if you know what's flying, then it flies. And that's what I want to focus on right now. Because what I want to do now is to introduce a new series by Ezra Hashem, which is going to be a two-part series, hopefully. And it's going to help us get a better understanding of what exactly is going on in the Machser. In Baltfila Workshop, we have a similar um, construct where we actually go through the Nusach. If you want to hear demonstrations, so sure, go go there to, to hear the aesthetic aspect of it. And yes, we talk some hashkafa there as well, try to give you a little bit of a background on, on what the davening is about. But in this upcoming series, Machzer Manager, we're going to learn to manage our davening. What we're going to do, Bezras Hashem, is we're mainly going to focus on Musaf for Rosh Hashanah and for Yom Kippur, though we will dip into pieces from Shachris, and we're going to break down what the different components of the davening are, what they're about, and address some important questions. Right? The questions that really you have to ask if you're trying to understand what the davening is about. So, for example, in the main body of the Shemona Esrei, the Kiddush HaSayom, this is in all the Shemona Esrei's of Yom Noraim, we pray that we want Hashem to put His dread on all of His creations. 
on all of his handiwork. So why exactly do we want that? What exactly are we asking for? All the small words that that we that, that we have to read, the small print, right? The the piutim, uh, some sometimes referred to as the otros or the krovos, that are inserted into the davening. The, you know, those parts that you hope you're in the congregation that omits these pages, and when you're, you know, the the joke that you always hear, but sometimes it's too real to be funny. That you're counting the pages. Oh, when's the davening going to be over? And then you try to reassure yourself because oh, since it's art scroll and you're looking at how many pages, it's really half the amount because you know the other half is in English. Well, this is part of a way you can actually help yourself. Don't reassure yourself because the art scroll has the English side and therefore it's really only half the amount that you think it is. But maybe you can actually use that English side of the art scroll as a starting point to getting an understanding of what you're saying. Because that is the way to actually feel fulfilled regardless of where you're davening. If you know what you are saying, if you know what's going on, it could be a more meaningful experience no matter where you are. Right, we and there are many things that we take for granted. Right, so for example, the the peace and davening of Unisana Tokef. What exactly does that mean, Unisana Tokef? How many how, how many people do you know that could actually translate those words, Unisana Tokef? We know maybe a little bit about the story about Rabbi Amnon of Nines, and maybe maybe he read it at the bottom of the art scroll. But what's Unisana Tokef actually about? We know it culminates into But what's the piece really about? Right, the great shofar, he shall blow, and the, 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 the thin whisper will be heard. So if you followed along in about to the workshop, maybe you heard a little bit about what that means. But what, what does that mean? Uh, even Baal workshop, I didn't give you all of it. I, I, I gave you a snippet of, of what it comes from. But what exactly does that mean? But there's so many parts of the davening that we can drop the anchor and try to look at to try to get a better understanding of it. But these are just some of the questions I want you to think about. We take for granted Malchios, Zichronos, and Shofros. But these are the three parts of the davening. Well, 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 why do you need three themes to one day? It's a, you're trying to complicate things? Right, I was I was told, you know, in a, in, a, in a rabbinic training course that I took, that when when a rav is giving a drasha, it should have no more and no fewer than one message. Right, and it seems that Rosh Hashanah has several messages. So, well, what are we supposed to do with that? You know, if if, if you give if, you, if if it's if it's fewer than one message, so then it's nothing. It's just fluff. If it's more than one message, we're going to like drop everything. Is there a unifying theme to Malchios, Zechernos, and Shofros? Why do we have all three of these themes, all three of these components of our Musaf? What's the point? And as you'll see, you know, we we can ask the same question for many aspects of the Yom Kippur davening. Many of the aspects that we take for granted are there. The Asara Haruge Malchus. Right, the, the ten martyrs. Why in the world are we reading that on Yom Kippur? It seems a little bit tone deaf. Yom Kippur is not a day of mourning. It's not Tisha B'av. We we have you know we have um, Arze Levanon in uh, in the Tisha B'av Kinos, and there maybe makes a little bit more sense. It's a day of a national day of mourning on Yom Kippur. Why we have um, Ela Ezkara while we're recalling the Asar Hagemachs? What does that have to do with anything? Why are we talking about that? And, you know, the, 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 the avoda of the Kohen, 
what exactly is that all about? Why do we uh, you know, um, emphasize that so much? Uh, when, when we sing Mare Cohen, what exactly is that about? So this, this, is, you know, this is the exercise that we're going to be trying to engage in to hopefully get a better understanding of what's happening, what, 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 we, what we're doing. And Be'ez Ras Hashem, we're going to hopefully achieve a richer understanding of, of davening. We're going to break down and address some of the, the critical questions on the Yom Ha'am davening, get an understanding of what the different kinds of piyutim are, what the piyutim are supposed to do, and hopefully it won't even matter where we are for the Yom Ha'am for Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, we're going to have a meaningful experience just because we're going to have done a little bit of our homework. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fulfilling because we put something into it. We didn't rely on external stimuli. We didn't rely on, on, uh, on, on anything that has to do with the environment. But we relied solely on ourselves. We were able to develop an emotion for the Yom Nuraim completely from within because we understood what we were saying. And that's the goal. We, you know, we spend so much time in Yom Nuraim in front of the Machser. And again, too much dread for what's insignificant and too much dread for, of boredom to have dread of what Yom Nuraim is really about. You know, it's, it's, it's a shame if we would just let you know, that if, if we let the Yom Nuraim go by and just have that juvenile understanding, right? if, we, if we go through our lives and Magid at the Seder is the same thing it was when we were seven years old, that the way we say Tachnun is the same way that we said it when we were in the fifth grade, if we were saying it then at all. And the way, you know, the, the, the way we engage in Hakafos is like that child who's just waiting for the candy, or sitting in shul, waiting for Chris Tur to end because, you know, you want to be able to talk without the guy by shushing you. Like, you know, it's it's a shame all around in all of these areas. We, we you know, when you know when when we're when we're twenty, thirty, forty, sixty, whatever it is, eighty years old, we we should hopefully have a richer understanding of these things. And Bez that's what we're trying to do here. For Yamim Narayim, it's not going to be something that we fear. For the worst, and what I mean is for the worst of reasons, Bezras Hashem, we are going to have a real, a real feeling for the days of awe. We're going to make sure that the days of awe don't become the days of uh, but they're actually going to unasanatokev. Just to give you a little translation, we're going to ascribe real power to the days of awe. We're going to have that real feeling for the high holidays. We're going to bring the Nora back into the Yamim Noraim. Anyway, look forward to you joining us back here at the database when we begin our series, Machser Manager.